And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This week, episode number 47, the portion of Shoftim, our topic this week on not knowing. How many times has it been the case for you that you didn't know the answer to a question? And you didn't want to admit that you didn't know the answer to the question. You couldn't utter the words, I don't know. Or think for a second with me how that feels in that space, in that moment, when you don't know. And then it's clear to everyone else also that you don't know. Deer in the headlights kind of look. But you don't have the ability or the wherewithal or the courage or whatever it is to utter those words, I don't know. Is that better or is that worse? Is not knowing better sometimes than knowing? Is knowing sometimes better than not knowing? Is it okay ever to say, I don't know? And so our focus this week is really on that subject of being willing to admit and to say openly and freely, I don't know. Because, let's begin with a quote. In 2002, the famous quote from Secretary of State Donald Rumsfeld about known unknowns And the unknown unknowns is actually quite genius and quite powerful. Because as Rumsfeld said at the Times, that there are things that we know and there are things that we don't know. Meaning there are things that we know that we know. But there are also things that that are known unknowns. That is to say, and this is the quote, we know there are some things we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. That in the Reality of the world, and by the way, he was roasted for that statement, but there's a lot of depth to what he had to say at the time when you when really begin to unpack it. The truth is there's so much in the world, in the world of the corpus of knowledge, in the world, whatever the subject matter is, it's impossible for a person to know everything. And it's also very likely that a person doesn't even realize the things that he or she doesn't even know. There are whole sections of subjects that we know a little bit about, that we know that there's other parts of it that we don't know a little, uh, anything about, and then that beyond that, there's just a whole level two, level three of knowledge in there that we're clueless about. And so not knowing is a very interesting and very powerful, actually a very difficult subject for a lot of people. Eckhart Tolle spiritual teacher and author, is quoted as saying that being at ease with not knowing is crucial for answers to come to you. And so that there's a, there's a power in being comfortable at ease with not knowing. But the truth is, and we all know it, admitting to not knowing and saying, I don't know, uttering those three words in any situation for a lot of people is super uncomfortable. And so I wanted to discuss it this week because I think it is the space here in the Bible, among other situations and locations, where the Bible gives us the permission to not know the answer. And so in chapter 17, verse 8, the Bible tells us that if it happens that something comes your way with respect to a matter of law, with respect to a matter of judgment, with with respect to a matter of purity and impurity, 
with respect to a fight, an argument, a disagreement, whatever that case may be, and you don't know the answer. So it's not okay to just sort of sit there and say, I don't know the answer. Then the, Torah, the Bible exhorts us to get up and go and find the space, find the people, find the location where an answer and a resolution can be given. And so it happens to me that that verse and the subsequent verses are the root source for rabbinic authority and the authority of the Jewish court. But I think it's also the root source for the Bible to acknowledge and tell us from God through Moses to the people that there are going to be situations that come up where you don't know the answer. You know the question, but you don't know the answer. And that's okay to not know the answer. It's not an expectation that you're going to know everything, that you're going to be able to solve every situation, that you're going to have at your fingertips every piece of knowledge and information and possibility out there. But the reality is in that moment, in that space, you do have to go seek out the people, the person who does know the answer to that question. But it's okay not to know. In fact, in Midrashic literature, famously, after the passing of Moses, when the court passed to the hands of Joshua, immediately a, sub, a set of laws were lost to the knowledge base. And the story goes that Joshua told them, I don't know. And they went about having to figure it out and to seek out the answers to what those situations were. But the truth is that in the Bible itself already, we've had situations where Moses was exhorted to bring about leaders and other judges so that they could adjudicate and they could rule and they could come up with answers. In the book of Exodus with Jethro, we talked about it at the time. Jethro tells Moses about the idea about setting up a court system, i.e. there will be scenarios that arise among the people that require a solution, a resolution. They don't all have to come to you. They can work their way up the court system. In the book of Numbers, God has Moses appoint 70 elders to assist him in leading and in judging the people. In other situations in the Bible, it's not upon one person to provide the answer. The case of a leper who's not sure 100% if his or her leprosy is in fact leprosy, they go and ask the high priest is in fact leprosy to, ju to judge and to adjudicate and to come to a solution. And so what's happening here in the Bible is this commandment, this exhortation to go seek out the answers. And when the answer is given to follow what the answer is that was in fact given. Don Yitzhak Barbanel, famous commentary, says that this is not necessarily about uh, the claimants only. So the, you know, the defendant or the prosecutor uh, person in this situation. But in fact, it's about the judges. When in fact the judges themselves don't know the answer, then they too have to go to the next level judge up to get it. If they disagree at the lower level, they go to the higher level. Each court is a continuation of the initial court of Moses into the modern day, into the modern era, seeking out the answer from the modern day person. That's what the Bible is exhorting us to do. But it's also really about admitting and acknowledging that there are going to be situations and circumstances when we simply don't know the answer. And it's totally okay. 
Why is it the person doesn't know the answer there? It's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of learning. You know, some of the commentary states that it's a lack of perhaps a, 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 a knock at the person's level of spirituality or their connection or their closeness to God. And that's why they're not granted or warranting having that knowledge. That could be. But it's also not okay for people to just simply not look for the answer and to sort of be comfortable completely with, well, I don't know, and I'm just not going to know. No, that's not the way it works. We have to acknowledge what we don't know, and then go seek out the answer and then follow the answer that's given. And so that's the interesting part in the Bible uh, for me, uh, as it is that they're standing on the cusp, and we've talked about it before, the cusp of the land of, of Canaan, the land of Israel. They're going to go in, they're going to settle. A million scenarios are going to come up that they never had before. And it's going to require them seeking out counsel and figuring out what those answers are if that meant going to Joshua, if that meant going to the priest, if that meant going to the judges in their day or in modern times, similar situations come up where we're coming upon circumstances and situations that we've never seen before. And sometimes we have to acknowledge not knowing the answer. I'll give you an example from my own life. There was a circumstance many years ago when I was serving as the rabbi of a small congregation and the following question came my way. It was a a member of the synagogue who had a parent who was in a chronic vegetative state. If you remember the Terry Schiavo case, this is maybe 15 years ago, this is very similar and akin to that. And immediately upon hearing the question, I knew this question was above my pay grade. It was just a question for a different level of knowledge, of awareness, of, of learning. And that was not me. And so I told the person that kind of question after just even touching the surface of it, needs to go to a higher, a higher power, a higher authority, someone who knows more. And so I took that person with me and we went to my rabbi at the time, the, the rabbi who I asked all of my questions. And this was the most powerful and inspiring part of this. I shared the question with him. His name is Rabbi Alman. He's a rabbi in a synagogue in Brooklyn. He was my rabbi, the family rabbi growing up. And he said to me, it's an incredibly powerful and difficult question. I need to go to my rabbi. And then he took me, and I took that person, and we went to his rabbi to get that question answered. He didn't know, and he admitted it to me. And I held him, and I still do, hold him in the highest regard and the highest esteem as a, as a real, wise, and knowledgeable source of Jewish law and adjudication. And he took me to his rabbi because he didn't know, and I didn't know. And then ultimately, we resolved the question. But the truth is, for most of us, and I'm certainly this way in some cases, I'm not comfortable saying, I don't know. I struggle sometimes to utter the words, I don't know. Why that is, I think, is fairly obvious to a lot of people. Saying you don't know implies that you don't have the highest level of, in, of, of intelligence or the mastery of knowledge that you claim to have. And so it's a, it's a blemish on your, maybe your self-esteem or your self-worth, or there's an idea of an implication of your incompetence around the people that are around you by saying, I don't know. Certainly, if you say it all the time, then people are going to default to not asking you any questions because they just assume you don't know anything. And it's not necessarily a symbol of humility. 
Um, it can perhaps ultimately appear to be some symbol of incompetence. So people struggle with it. In fact, there was a study done, I read this in an article, it was a 20-year study that was done uh, with respect to people um, and any given subject that they knew very little about, that they typically, in majority cases, would overassess their knowledge and ability. Meaning, when they really didn't know anything about something, they would say they knew a lot more about something than what, than what they actually did. And so fearing that show of weakness and faking an answer is really the actually, is actually showing that weakness that you're seeking to avoid. Faking an answer, fibbing an answer, making it up as you go, doesn't really work here. As uh, business professor David Burkus actually wrote in an article related to that study in Psychology Today, he said, ignorance isn't bliss, it's confidence. What happens in these cases are people are showing a level of confidence in their ignorance, which is dangerous. And he says, confident ignorance can lead to disaster. And so what we have to have is this set of sense that what's going on around us um, is you know, is dangerous, potentially, in not acknowledging when we don't know. Now, you could try, and a lot of people do say this, you could try to say it in a different way, in a nicer way, in a way that you perhaps perceive diminishes you less. So you could say, and I'm sure you've heard this, I don't have enough information to answer the question. Oh, that's a great question. I'll go find out for you. Oh, I don't have all the data at hand, but I'll get it to you by the end of the day, by the end of the week. Those are all code for, I don't know. You asked me a question I don't have the answer to. And instead of me saying to you, I don't know, give me the space and the ability to say it this way. And so we can appreciate why it is that people struggle to do it. But the reality of it is by being unwilling to say the words out loud, I don't know. So we're actually hampering ourselves because the truth is that as we grow more comfortable with not knowing and acknowledging that we're not knowing and, and, and being aware of our limits in terms of our knowledge. So it's actually a level of liberation because we're now not held to the standard of being a know-it-all or actually knowing everything. And no one really wants to be a know-it-all. And the truth is that when we are willing to say it out loud, we're actually actually rewiring our brains to be more open-minded to new information because when we know the answer, remember this perhaps when you studied as a kid, that when you knew the material, you sort of closed off your mind to new information in that subject, in that space. And so being willing to say, I know X, but I also don't know the rest, actually opens up your mind to more. It's what we would might call an intellectual humility. Sort of being honest about the level of knowledge that you have or don't have about a subject it also helps with your intellectual curiosity by being willing and able and open to that reality about you, you're actually opening up your space and your mind to actually learn more. It becomes an opportunity to learn. It actually becomes an opportunity to promote collaboration. It also, with respect to people at work, if it's employees, um, teammates, um, even at home really with, with children and spouses, not knowing and saying to your children, I don't know, let's go together and find out, is empowering for them, is meaningful for them to hear the adult in the room say they don't know, because it gives them the space and the freedom, the liberation to also say sometimes, I don't know. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know why. 
And not having to have the answers all the time is totally okay. Teammates will actually respect you more if on occasion you will say, I don't know. Employees on your team will actually feel more comfortable asking more questions and being more willing for themselves to say they don't know by virtue of hearing it from the leader. It's not great leadership to always have the answers or to always feign having the answers. It's actually better leadership to on occasion admit, that's a great question, I don't know the answer. And then to go do the work and actually go find the answer. Because that's how we grow. That's how the team grows. That's how the confidence grows. That's how they see you as a human being in reality, not some sort of uh, Wikipedia in living form. I would have said encyclopedia, but I think Wikipedia is actually a better way to say it these days. I think that's very powerful and it's very empowering and it's very meaningful to people. And it gives them the space to learn and to grow and to try things that they wouldn't have done before. And so we need to grow comfortable with the idea that we don't know everything. And by virtue of being more comfortable with not knowing everything, we grow, we learn, we improve. We expand our knowledge base. We expand our minds. We're open to more information. So here's the practical side of this because uh, some of the feedback I've been getting lately is that I haven't been very practical with people on this. So the coaching moment here with respect to practicality, I think is this. Try to get comfortable with not knowing. Try to get comfortable saying the words, I don't know. Say it in the mirror. Saying it to someone who's close to you. Saying it when you mean it. Like, don't just like, you know, feign it and saying it because you don't want the conversation to end. But they ask you a really good question. Try to work on being comfortable saying you don't know. And that's hard to do. So here's a, here's a practical way to do this. I want you to think of someone in your life who's a smart person who actually knows a lot. And I want you to tag them with the idea that, they're, that they know everything. And I want you to think about how fair that is to that person. See how that makes you feel by doing that to another person. Because the truth is, you would rather have that person sometimes say to you, I don't know. It's freeing for you. It's validating for you. And so then, once you've done that exercise with respect to somebody else, try and put it back on yourself. Realize that you don't have to be a know-it-all. It's totally okay not to know everything. That's practical one. Practical two, I think, is really important here. In the same way that in the Bible verse, they went to seek out judges, I think, think about a person in your life who it is that you ask questions to, and then go ask them one question, knowledge-based question. Don't go to Google. Go to another person. Your curiosity is important, and it's really important to get curious about knowledge and about information and about learning, because that's how you grow as a person. That's how you expand as a person. That's how you accomplish more in life as a person, by expanding your educational, intellectual, knowledge-based horizons. So getting curious by choosing a person and asking them a question, then following up with another question based on what they said. The alternative is to pick an area of something that you have interest in. Sports, art, science, history, religious studies, Bible, spirituality, yoga, exercise, whatever it may be. And 
download one article on that subject and read one article on that subject to grow your knowledge base. Because by doing that, you're admitting in some way that you don't know something. You don't know something about that subject, but that subject is actually something you're interested in. And now you've grown because you've admitted to yourself, which I think is crucial here, that you don't know. And then you went and you did something about it. So there are a couple of ways to get practical about this. One is the exercise with respect to a person who you don't want to call them a know-it-all. Two is seeking out a mentor and asking either one question or a set of questions on a subject that they're knowledgeable about, that they're open to discussing with you. Three is acknowledging an area where you are weak in terms of your knowledge base that you want to get stronger in, and then doing a little bit of homework, a Google search, printing out one article, reading that article, and then assessing what the lessons that you gain from that article are. You want to show that you actually got something, and that doesn't mean that you now know everything. There's actually now more things that you don't know uh, because of it. So I think that's what we're talking about here. I think it's super important. I think it's really important to appreciate that the Bible is giving us the space to not know because it wants us and God wants us, the Bible wants us to expand our horizons, to be constantly on the move towards improvement. But separate from the religious context, in the coaching context, in the growth context, we've talked a lot about growth mindset. We talk a lot about trying to learn and to grow and to improve. And being willing to admit that we don't know is one of the great ways to leading to great improvement in our lives. That is Coaching Through the Bible with the Bible for this week. See you next week.